Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, leading people into the Christ-centered life. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. We are going to be in Matthew chapter 23 today. Matthew 23. Uh, you meet me there in your Bibles. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. It's page 991 in that Bible. And Brent's going to come give me a hand. Were you wondering the whole worship time? Why are there jelly beans on the stage? All right. Go take a handful of jelly beans, Brent. Now, in any given handful of jelly beans, there's going to be some flavors there you like. And yeah, take some more. Sure. Pile, get, get even more. Go on. Get some more on there. Yeah. You've earned it. This is your second service, so you, you get extra. <laughs> so there's flavors in there you like. There's flavors in there you hate, probably. So start to separate out what you don't like. Uh, we're going to try and narrow it down here. So the, the black ones are coming out. Anyone hate black jelly beans in the house? You're wrong, for the record, but... I respect your right to have an opinion that's different from mine. All right. Now, some purple are coming out. All right. Black and purple. Okay. We're not going to take a risk on purple. Yellows are coming out. Does anyone hate yellow jelly beans? That's, I'm of the opinion that lemon makes everything worse. Um, all right. So you've got a handful of jelly beans that you, you want, right? These are the favorites. And you've got some ones here that you're not going to eat. So take those in your other hand. And we don't want to put those back in the bowl, right? Because you don't want to eat those later because those are the kinds that you don't want and don't need anymore. Um, so make a gift of them, right? Make a gift. Give them to John. Here's a nice gift, John. Oh, Wes gets them this time. That's good sharing. Thank you, Brent. Say thanks, everybody. <laughs> So we won't ask Wes if he feels honored by the gift that he was given uh, by Brent, but uh, we're going to be talking about our giving today and our giving to God and what that looks like. And uh, part of the principle whenever we talk about this subject is this idea that God is worth something good in our lives. He's worth the best in our lives. He's worth more than just the scraps that we don't want anymore. And we would say that about our time, and we would say that about our, our gifts and, and the way we serve and all those kinds of things. But we're going to talk about that in light of our finances today, in light of our giving, that God is worth more uh, than just the scraps that are left over once we've kept the best parts of our money for ourselves. And I remember sitting in someone's house once, and, uh, and they, they didn't give, and they didn't give to charity, and they didn't really give at all. They just they kept their money for themselves and spent on themselves, and uh, they were asking me some questions about it, and some of those questions are going to come out in the sermon today. Uh, but they said, you know, we can't afford to tithe. We just can't afford to give. We can't afford to bring an offering. And as I looked around the house, you know, there's, there's cable TV and there's multiple cell phones and there's a couple of cars in the driveway and, and there's a, a nice enough house. And they were by no means wealthy, uh, but there was lots of money going lots of places in their house. And I just said, let's not say we can't afford to tithe in your case. Let's say we're choosing to spend our money on other things. And there are people legitimately who are strapped to the point of they're saying, this is not possible for me. And, and I fully uh, sympathize with that. And we'll talk about that a little bit today. But when it comes to our lives, we usually have an attitude of, oh, God, you get my best, right? I'm going to give you the best of my time and the best of my devotion and the best of my worship when we come together on a Sunday morning. And I'm just going to throw out there as sort of the general premise today that God is worthy of the best of our finances, and that there are things that he calls us to do financially that as we do, acknowledge that he is Lord of our lives, even Lord of our finances. 
And not only that, but when we do them, he has actually promised blessing will follow when we are obedient. And so we're talking about this principle of the tithe. The word tithe literally just means 10%. It means a tenth. And the Bible points to this as this, uh, this suggestion of this is what is brought before the Lord when you come into the temple uh, in the Old Testament, when we come together, that you bring a tenth of your income. And that number might be shocking. Some of you right now are going, oh, wow, I, I didn't realize that. And I understand that can be a bit of a scary number, and so we're going to unpack that a little bit today. Uh, But the Bible does point to this idea that God is worthy of a tenth of what we have. So let's take a look at our verse. I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you today. Uh, Most of it we're going to go through on the screen, and just as a heads up, we're going to go through it pretty fast uh, because there's a lot to cover. So I'm happy to chat with anyone afterwards, or you can listen to it again online uh, to get a bit of a sense of it. But we're just going to look at a couple verses today. Matthew 23, uh, and we're starting in verse 23. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel." And so that's kind of a weird verse in some ways when you're talking about tithing, because in this passage, in Matthew 23, Jesus is rebuking uh, the Pharisees, the teachers, the pastors of his day, the religious leaders of his day. He is rebuking them throughout the whole passage. And one of the general sort of things that he talks about throughout this passage is that you guys, you're, you're really good at sticking to the letter of the law, of God's law, in a legalistic kind of way, but you miss the point behind them. Uh, And so he's rebuking them for being so diligent to the letter of God's law, but missing the heart behind it and and not actually living out a life of love and and everything. And so, uh, and that's the the specific context of these verses is that he's saying, guys, like you tithe, like even down to your spices, this was not something that God's law commanded, was down to the spices. And if you can imagine the diligence required, if you come home from bulk barn, you know, with a, a bag of dill or whatever, and having to section out a tenth of that, to bring that as part of your offering to the Lord. Like, that's how meticulous they were in their tithing. And Jesus says, you're so meticulous in this, and yet you've missed the bigger picture of justice and mercy. And then he says these words that are really easy to skip over uh, if we're just focusing on the fact that he's saying, guys, don't miss the big picture. Because as he's telling them, you're missing out on justice and mercy, he says in there, you should be doing the tithing. You should not neglect the tithing. But as you do that, there are more important things. So he's saying tithing isn't even the most important thing in God's law. But in there, he says the words, you should be diligent in your tithing. You should be that meticulous in your spices. That is not a bad thing. You should be tithing. And as you do that, don't forget the more important things in the law. And I've noticed as I've preached this over the years, I I said in the first service, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with teaching on tithing and giving. Uh, And it's not really hate. That's an exaggeration. But uh, I just know it's difficult. I I know it's a a tough topic. And I know, uh, you know, the cynic in us can rise up and say, well, the pastor is talking about it, you know, just because the church should have more money and they're just after your money. And uh, sometimes if people aren't, are are newer to the faith or are checking out Jesus, it can feel like the church is asking for money all the time. And, uh, And I'll just say off 
the bat, first of all, I have no idea if you give or not. I don't have any idea who gives what. Uh, none of the pastors do. It's, this is entirely between you and God. There's only one person in the church who knows what you give, uh, and that's Julia, and that's only because she does the tax receipts. And she's, she's the one person who knows just because someone has to do it. So I will never know either way, whether you're giving anything or a lot or a little. So this is entirely between you and God, for one. Second of all, uh, I have been practicing tithing in my life for about 30 years, uh, since I was six or seven years old. I forget how old exactly, but my dad started on an allowance with me. And when we got the allowance, that was what he taught us from the youngest age, was you get your allowance, and the first 10% goes to Jesus, and the second 10% goes in your piggy bank, and then the rest is yours to, to do with whatever you like. That's your spending money. And that's a principle that I have followed my entire life, even in the years uh, when I wasn't walking with Jesus at all, when I was a, a teenager and I was far from God. Uh, I still tithed on money that came in, because not because I thought God cared that much at that point in my life, but I knew my dad expected me to do it. So out of respect for my dad, I kept tithing, even in the years when I wasn't walking with Jesus. And so this is something that I'm not just telling you uh, in the sense of a lecture. This is something that I have lived out. For as long as I have had money in my life, uh, I have tithed. And so uh, I have been a part of that sacrifice that I, that I challenge you with today. I have lived it out, and we're going to hear from some other people later uh, who have also lived this out in their lives. And when I preach on this, there are always some who, who struggle with it, and I've noticed that uh, when it comes to money, we get really good and creative at figuring out ways that the verses about it don't mean what they really mean. Uh, we're really good at coming up with excuses and alternative things, and so when we talk about this, I mean, to me, this is crystal clear. Sometimes people say, where's tithing in the New Testament? I say, it's right here. It's right here with Jesus saying, you should. Uh, and so sometimes we come up with excuses for it or, or alternative explanations where we say, well, you know, Jesus, that's not the point of the passage. The context was the justice and the mercy part, and I agree wholeheartedly, but then there's those words where he's saying you should. And the other thing that comes up with this passage sometimes is people saying, well, he was only saying that uh, because he was living in the age of law, which we're going to get to in a second. Now that we're in grace, like he was only saying that because that was the time he lived in. But on this side of the cross, we're set free from the law, so we don't have to do that anymore. And I, I mean, I get the, the logic behind it. But at the same time, we don't do that with literally any other teaching of Jesus. We don't ever say, well, Jesus said, love your enemies, but he said that under the law, so that doesn't apply to us today right? What Jesus teaches, we obey. And Jesus said, my words are life. And if you love me, you will follow my words and, and obey my commandments. And so when Jesus says you should be tithing, I take that seriously. I take that as something that we should consider. And so when we tithe, uh, we are bringing it, as we often say, first and foremost, as our worship. It is our worship to God. Uh, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits." of all your crops. And uh, in our house, on our budget, on our monthly budget that we follow, we just have an Excel spreadsheet, as I'm sure many of you do. Our tithe is the top thing on the list, and that's on purpose. We have it above uh, our mortgage, above groceries, above insurance, above everything else. And it's just a little bit of a symbol. Uh, but it is this principle that we see throughout Scripture that, is, that says that God is worth the best. And so when, uh, back in the day, when it was literally crops, because everybody was a farmer, uh, you brought in your crops, and you took 10% of the first fruits which were the best of your crops, and you brought that to the temple. 
now we, most of us aren't farmers, so we do it with just our money, with our income. But honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. Bring God your best is the principle, right? God is worth the best jelly beans, not the leftover scrap jelly beans that we just don't want anymore once we've paid for all the stuff that we like. God is worthy of the best that we have to offer. And so we have that at the top of our budget uh, as just a symbol of devotion where we say, God, like that, that's for you. That is the best of our offering for you. That is our first fruits for you because you have blessed us in so many ways and we want to honor you and acknowledge you with the tithe. So we honor the Lord with our offering. That's the spiritual side and that's the most important side. But there's also a very practical side, which is when we bring our offering and, and Sarah and I bring our offering to the church, uh, we are blessing the church. We are blessing the place where we, we just launched ahead there. We are blessing the place where, where we attend and where our family attends and where our family is blessed and grows spiritually. So when we bring our tithe here and we give it to the Lord here, uh, we know that it is helping to fund the kids' ministry that blesses our children. And we don't have kids in the youth program, but it's helping to fund the youth program and pay for Xavier's salary so that he can invest in the life of our kids. And it's paying to send Samdi overseas. He arrived safe in Thailand, by the way, this week. He's hit the ground running and already is well on his way. It's helping support Somdi. It's helping support the Access Center. And it's helping support the bridge team. It's helping, you know, we, we can see right now because there's light bulbs on because somebody gave to help support the bill that pays for the hydro in this place and the heat and all the rest. And this is the place where we call home. And we love our church. And we grow in our church. And we want others to grow in our church. So when we give, we're giving first and foremost to the Lord. But the side benefit is we are pouring into the place that is blessing us. Like we are helping support the ministry that blesses our family. And not only that, we are hoping that other families will be blessed as well. And it's not just about our church and the ministries of our church. We are giving money to helping the gospel spread in Leamington, through our church, around Canada, and to the ends of the earth with people like Samdi who who have gone uh, and are doing, uh, getting ready to do amazing things all around the world. So there's a practical side to what we give as well that we are very happy to do because we love our church and we want to support it and see it thrive. So the question I get asked often on this topic is, is a Christian called to tithe? Uh, and the, the pushback on it often is, well, that's law. That's Old Testament. That's Old Covenant. Uh, we're not under the Old Covenant anymore. And if this is going over your head, I'd love to have coffee with you afterwards because uh, I don't have time to unpack the, the whole detail with law and grace. But, uh, but basically, God gave the law to Moses on, Saun on Sinai. Uh, it was God's commandments. The Ten Commandments were in there and many others. Uh, around 613 laws and commandments and statutes that were God's standard for Israel. Uh, and so that was the law when we talk about the law. And so most people are somewhat familiar with the Ten Commandments, but there were other commandments about tithing and, and how you live your life in lots of different ways. So the law was there, uh, but the Bible would seem to tell us pretty clearly that uh, in passages like Romans 6.14 that we're not actually under law anymore. We're under grace. And this is the argument when it comes to tithing is, no, that's, that's Old Testament. We're not under that anymore. We've been set free from that. We're not judged by the law anymore. We've been set free into grace where we are forgiven our sins and we're not judged by the law. And now we walk with Jesus and then he leads us by his spirit. Uh, and so if that is the case, then how can we tithe? Because tithing is, is on the other side uh, of the cross. So that's the, the question that comes up. Um, there's one verse in Corinthians that talks about, uh, you know, when you give, 
give, decide ahead of time what you want to give, whatever you want to give, and don't give reluctantly, but be a cheerful giver. Um, and so that's often brought up, and they say, well, you know, in the New Testament, we get to give whatever we want. That's what that verse says. Uh, so we would say that verse is about a specific offering that's being taken up for the poor. It's not about regularly giving. It's about there's an offering being taken up for the poor. So if we're ever taking up a special offering for Somdi or whatever, uh, we would say the same thing. Whatever you want to give, uh, absolutely, um, and, and that's fine, and, and do that that way. But uh, that's not really talking about what we're talking about today, which is our regular gift that we give to the Lord uh, to fund the ministry. So a few things about this idea. Is tithing just law, uh, or is a Christian called to tithe? First of all, tithing was practiced actually long before the law. Uh, it shows up for the first time in Abraham. And Abraham encounters Melchizedek, who is the high priest. And he comes to Melchizedek, uh, priest of God Most High. And Abraham gives him a tenth of everything in Genesis 14, 20. He sows into his ministry, uh, is the language that we would use, and, and does it as a tithe uh, to support the work of the Lord. His grandson Jacob makes this commitment to God, Genesis 28, 22. He says to the Lord, of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Uh, and there's a clear connection of worship here, of gratitude, of thanksgiving, that everything that I have, everything that comes to me, uh, I will tithe on it as part of my devotion to you, as part of my thanksgiving for how you take care of me and provide for me. So tithing was around before the law. So this is not a law principle, uh, I would say. It is a kingdom principle that was around before the law. It was commanded and codified in the law uh, several times. Here's one verse in Leviticus 27, uh, a tithe of everything from the land, again, when everybody was farmers, uh, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So whatever you produced, you took 10% and you brought it to the Lord. And key here is this understanding that a tithe of everything belongs to the Lord. Uh, a tithe is his. 10% he claims for himself in the law. 10%, it's not that, oh, I have to give up 10%. God says, no, that's not your 10%. That's just my 10% that you're just returning to me. God claims 10% for himself. It is holy. The word holy just means set apart. It is different than the rest of your money. Uh, a tenth is there, and it belongs to the Lord. So tithing is commanded uh, in the law as one of the commandments. Jesus was a tither. And this is a, a bit more of an implied argument, but in Matthew 5, Jesus makes very clear, I have to fulfill the law perfectly. And if he had to fulfill the law perfectly, then he must have been a tither because it was commanded in the law. Jesus endorsed tithing. That's our verse today. You should he says, you should be practicing tithing without neglecting the more important matters. So there's Jesus endorsing it uh, in the New Testament. And then this uh, part of the argument's a little more in-depth, but says that grace should make us more generous than the law, not less. Uh, grace calls us deeper than the Old Covenant did. And so in the Old Covenant, it was written on stone, and we were expected to follow it. And now we've been set free from our, our, our tie to those commandments in stone. But it's not like God's commandments just disappeared, right? It's not like, well, we say, you know what? In the Old Covenant, it said, thou shalt not murder, but now in grace. Come here, John. <laughs> like, we don't lose God's commandments. We don't lose the heart of God. Jeremiah 31, 33 says this. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel, my people after that time, declares the Lord. Under the new covenant, God says, I'll put my law in their minds, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. 
And that's part of the shift from Old Covenant to New Covenant, from law to grace, is that not that God's commandments disappeared and that he doesn't care about things anymore and we're allowed to go lie and steal and commit adultery. It's that he's taking his commandments and by his spirit, he's actually now working on us from the inside out. It used to be there was a list that we had to do our best to follow and fall short of. But in the new covenant, God says, I'm actually going to put my Holy Spirit inside you. He's going to dwell inside you. We're going to get into this in the weeks to come. And he's actually going to transform you from the inside out. And he's actually, if you will let him, going to change you in such a way that you will want to live out my commandments. You will want to follow them because you are being made into a new creation. And so it's not that the commandments are gone and God doesn't have standards anymore, but he's now put them in our mind and he's putting them in our hearts. He's transforming us from the inside. But grace often takes us deeper than the law did. Because Jesus, when he was teaching, said, you know, the law said, don't commit adultery, but I actually tell you, don't even lust. And God's going to give you the grace to overcome that. The law said, don't murder, but I tell you in grace, don't even hate anybody because that's where it starts. Get the hate out of your heart. Love your enemies. The law told you to take an oath, and I tell you in grace, don't take an oath, not because it's not important, but live your life with such integrity that your yes just means yes, and your no means no, and you don't have to take an oath because everyone just trusts your words so much. Grace takes us further. It takes us deeper than the law did. And so when I talk to people about this point, uh, sometimes people say, well, it's law, and I'm not going to tithe because that's law. And when I ask them, well, you know, what are you giving and where are you giving? The answer is often, I'm well, very little or nothing at all. And so my final point is God did not set us free from the law to let us be less generous. He set us free from the law to be more generous. He set us free from the law not so we would be doing it as a legal requirement, but out of gratitude and worship and a cheerful heart we would give as a lifestyle of generosity and not just a requirement that we check off the page. Grace calls us to more generosity than the law ever did. And we see that in some examples of giving that we have in the New Testament. When Jesus encounters the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, he says, sell everything, not 10%, 100%. Sell it all and give it all to the poor. And, and the rich young ruler struggles with that, obviously. That's a lot more than the tithe uh, that he was probably used to giving. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus tells a story uh, of a widow at the temple. And everybody is coming with their gifts and their tithing. And some of them are wealthy, so their tithe is a very large amount. She comes in and puts in two small coins. And Jesus says she has actually given more than everyone else in God's sight. Because everyone else is tithing and giving out of their wealth. But she actually gave 100% of what she had. She gave all of it. Uh, And that's how much she trusts God to take care of her. And she's held up as an example. In the book of Acts, we're going to read this this week, and our reading plan uh, tells the story of people start selling property, and they start bringing all the money to the apostles to support the ministry of the Lord. A hundred percent of it comes, and uh, when Ananias and Sapphira try to withhold some of it, there's consequences for that because they lie about it. Uh, But they're bringing everything, not 10 percent, they're bringing a hundred percent. And so we see that as people start to give, Once Jesus shows up, uh, so often it is going well beyond 10%. uh, And they're not viewing it as, hey, we're set free from the law, therefore we get to spend more money on ourselves. They're viewing it as we're set free from the law, and out of gratitude for that, we're going to give God as much as we can. And so as to the question of should a Christian tithe, my answer for me is, yeah, I think a Christian should at least be tithing. 
I think we're not, I don't want to give less than the law required now that I've been set free from it. I want to live a lifestyle of generosity. And so Sarah and I tithe here, and, and we do give a bit more than our tithe here. And then we also have found other things that we support. We give to the Red Cross, and we sponsor kids, and we sponsor missionaries in different things. And we've just always tried to increase that a little bit every year. And as we've increased that a little bit every year, uh, we have always had enough. We have never run out. The money is always there. We always have enough to pay our bills uh, because as we trust God with that, there is blessing that comes. Malachi 3 uh, is kind of the classic passage on this we're going to get uh, to in just a second. But So tithing was practiced long before the law. Uh, it was commanded in the law. Generosity was commanded. Uh, Jesus himself was a tither. Uh, Jesus himself endorsed tithing. And grace should make us more generous than the law, not less. We're not set free from the law to become more selfish with our money, but to be more open and more giving. Malachi chapter 3 is classic. Uh, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Uh, God says. So when people literally brought food back in the day, it, I mean, it fed the priests and it took care of the temple, uh, but it was also so the poor could come and the poor could come and they could eat and they could participate. And, uh, and so it was meant to do ministry is why the tithe came in. So bring the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. It's been said it's the only time in Scripture where God says, test me. Because elsewhere it actually says you're not supposed to test the Lord your God. But here God says, on this point, test me, try me, and watch what happens. And I wouldn't want to twist this to the point where the prosperity teachers do sometimes, which suggests that if you tithe, you will be wealthy. Uh, and so I've been doing this for 30-some years, and I don't know when the wealthy part kicks in. But uh, it's not necessarily about wealth, and I, I wouldn't say I'm wealthy, but we are so well taken care of by God. Uh, his blessing has been there for us over and over and over again. And it's interesting in this passage, God says, bring me the tithe, try me, uh, and watch the blessing that comes. But the passage starts with these words, I, the Lord, do not change. He says, I do not change. So bring me the tithe, which suggests, yeah, you know what? He's, he's saying, I don't think there is a difference between old and new covenant on this one. I don't change on this, God says. Bring me the tithe and test me in this and watch and see the blessing that will come. So the first question that comes up here is always, does a Christian have to tithe at all? And, and you've heard me on that. The second objection sometimes that comes up is, well, there just won't be enough. I just can't afford it. And understandably, there are those of us who are legitimately strapped and, and living paycheck to paycheck and on unemployment sometimes or disability. Uh, and that's, that's the struggle for sure. Um, there won't be enough if I take that step. And, and I understand the sentiment. There's been times in our marriage where we've had uh, a good amount of salary coming in. There's been times where we've had very little salary coming in. There's been times we've had zero salary uh, coming in as I've been in between jobs. Uh, we have never stopped tithing, no matter how much was coming in, because we always want to worship God with our money. And part of when we tithe is us taking that step and we're saying, Jesus, I trust you. It's a step of faith for sure, but I trust you. And there won't be enough. It's not that we've never had that thought come to mind, but we decided early in our marriage that the attitude of there won't be enough uh, is a fear-based statement, right? I'm afraid there won't be enough. And we decided we didn't want to let fear run our finances. We thought that was a bad thing to do. We don't want to let fear run our finances. We want to let faith run our, fi run our finances. And so we have taken that step uh, over and over again. 
And so when we give uh, in different areas in our life and when we are uh, looking at our budget and everything and there's money that comes to us that we put in savings maybe or money that goes into an RSP or a pension, I mean, that money that you put in your RSP or your pension technically is money out of your pocket, right? That's not money that you can spend on yourself or on your family. That money is gone as it goes into your RSP or pension. But we don't really consider that a loss, right? Because we know that money is going somewhere good. Uh, It's going to be waiting for us. There's going to be interest on it. We're actually going to get back more than we put in. And that's been our attitude towards giving, whether it's our tithe or supporting a charity or giving to a need, is that, yeah, technically it's a loss because that's money coming out of our pocket. But in God's economy, he knows where that money has gone, and he is going to bring it back to us in one way or another. And we have seen it over and over and over again. Not that we are wealthy, but so many times we've been in need. There's been times of, uh, I need $500 for a car repair. We just don't have it. And then a $500 check shows up from a friend. I just felt led to send you this. Like that has happened in our lives. There are times where uh, I, I borrowed money from someone and I, I need to pay them back, but I don't quite have the funds to do it, and they've just canceled the debt entirely. Like these things have happened in our lives. We're not wealthy, but we are so well taken care of. And when we give to God and when we give to his kingdom and when we, we give to the poor, uh, we are giving it in a way that, although technically it's a loss in our monthly statement, uh, we know it's coming back to us in one way or another. We know it's coming back with interest in one way or another. We will get back more than we sow. And there's this principle in both Testaments where we see this faith in action. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And Paul's talking specifically about money in this passage. And it just kind of makes sense. And he ties it into this picture of harvest that, you know, if you put one seed in the soil, you can't be annoyed when there's no harvest when you need it. But if you sow in faith today, trust that the harvest will come in. And if you want a generous harvest, we live a generous lifestyle. And if you're okay with no harvest or, or no blessing, then, then don't sow. Uh, but it's tied into our actions and our faith. And as is so often the case in Scripture, we would love the blessing to come first so that we can respond in faith. But God calls us to faith first. And so many say, well, I just, once the money's there, then I'll start. And, and it seems backwards to our common sense. But it's like if a farmer has some seed and it's all the food he has in the world and he could just eat it and sustain himself. But he's saying, you know what? I'm going to spread it because the harvest will be greater than the seed itself. And, and to take that step of faith first, right? Because sowing has to happen before reaping. Uh, we see it also in the teaching of Jesus. Luke chapter 6, he says, give and it will be given to you, right? Trust and you will be taken care of. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I would like God to be generous with me. And so I seek to live a lifestyle of generosity. And he knows my income, and he knows where I'm at, and I'm not going to give, give away as much as Mark Zuckerberg will ever, probably. But he knows what I have and what I'm doing with it. And he expects us to be faithful with what he's given. And so the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Proverbs 11.24 says, One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds, but comes to poverty. Uh, And the picture that's often used is, you know, what's your hand doing when it comes to your money? Because if you're holding it tight because you don't want to take that step of faith, that's perfectly understandable. But when you hold it that tight, nothing else can come into your hand either. And when it comes to God, if we're willing to open up our hand, 
then he can take what he wants and we can give to what we want. And then our hands are also open whenever he wants to or whenever he's ready to give more back. A friend of mine's a pastor. He was on an airplane once and he was sitting next to a wealthy businessman. And the businessman was not a Christian at all. My friend was talking to him about Jesus and and the conversation went that way a little bit. But the businessman, and I don't remember what the business was, but he'd been in business for 20 years, and he said, you know, around 10 years ago, uh, he's like, I just kind of felt like my business is going well, I I have so much, I've been very lucky, and so I want to start giving back. And so just on his own, he kind of came up with this idea of let's take 10% of our business revenue, and let's start giving it away. And so they started giving away to charity and different feeding programs for kids in school and different stuff. And he said, ever since I started doing that, uh, my business revenue has gone through the roof. And so now we're able to give away even more. And, and this, the more I give away, the more it seems to come in. So here's a guy who's not even a Christian, not even a believer, and God is still blessing this principle. And I really believe God is looking for people uh, who aren't going to say, you know what, I'm just going to spend it on me or spend it on my family, but I will give it to others. Because Jesus said, if you're faithful with little, you can be trusted with much. And he's looking for those who will be generous. And so this man was not a believer, but God was obviously blessing him for taking that step of faith. He was living out these scriptures, even though he didn't know what those scriptures were, because God was blessing his generosity. And as more money came in, he was giving away more, and he was giving it away more. And so it's not, this is where the prosperity teaching goes off the rails, where it's God wants you wealthy for your sake and for your needs and for your house and for your car. And that's just so anti-gospel. I don't know where to start. It's not about you. It's about him and it's about others. And your money comes to honor and bless him and to help take care of others. And and there's nothing wrong with having a a nice house or car, uh, but your money is not coming there just for you. And that leads us to the last point as we think about sowing so that we can reap a harvest later. Sometimes people feel like, don't tell me how to spend my money, right? Stop talking to me about my money, pastor. That's my money, and I resent you telling me what to do with it. And that's part of the shift that I think everybody needs to go through. Uh, If you didn't like what I've said so far, you're really going to hate this part. It's not your money. It's not your money. It's not your money. Because the Word of God says in Haggai 2.8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Deuteronomy 10, 14, To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. Romans eleven thirty six. For from him and through him and to him are all things. It's all his. It's not just the tithe that's his that he claims for himself. Everything belongs to him. And he has entrusted us with some of it. Bill Johnson says, when it comes to my money, he says, I'm a general and every dollar that comes into my account is a soldier. And I get to assign those soldiers where they go. And I can assign them to selfish purposes. I can assign them to eternal purposes, to kingdom purposes. But they're all God's soldiers. I just get to direct them where they go. And this is an overwhelming theme in Scripture, that what we have is not our own. It all comes from God. And when you understand that 100% of it comes from God, and when you understand that in the New Testament, often 100% of it is given back to God, all of a sudden 10% doesn't seem quite so scary anymore compared to what it might be. And so we honor God because it's all his. And you hear me pray this all the time when we take up an offering, where we say, God, we give this to you because it's yours. And we acknowledge that it all comes from you. And you ask for a portion back as part of our worship. And and again, practically, it, it fuels the ministry of the kingdom. But we give it to you as our worship because it's our way of saying we trust you. And as we sacrifice this to you and as we trust you, we're trusting that you're going to take care of the rest. 
Because you can do more with 90% and God's blessing of an open heaven than you can do with 100% all by yourself. It's easier when the blessing's there. And, and there's peace that comes when we say, you know what? It's all yours, God. And, and we're going to live like it's all yours. And we're going to be faithful to steward this well because it all comes from you. And we're going to worship you with what we have. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your money goes, that's where your heart is. And so when it comes to our priorities in life, we don't need to think of a lot of things to figure that out. We need to look at where does your money go? Because where your money goes, that's your priority. That's where your heart is. And these things go hand in hand, I find. Where your money goes, your heart's going to be there. And where your heart goes, the money's going to follow. They kind of, these things kind of swing around together. And so part of the reason we love giving is because we want our hearts to be all in with Jesus. We want our hearts to be all in with church. We want our hearts to be all in with the kingdom. And so we give because of that. And again, I will never know what you give or not. So you're not going to impress me on this either way. This is entirely between you and God. Uh, but it's just so important in my family, and I know to many of you, that we bring this as our worship to God. Now, if you're here today, uh, some of you, I know, you know on these teachings, sometimes the cynic in us can rise up a little bit. And, uh, you know, you're thinking, well, of course the preacher has to talk about this. I haven't talked about this actually in a couple of years. I went back and checked. Um, and it's not that we're doing a fundraising drive or anything like that. This is fully about you and your worship and your trust with God. But we thought it would be good for you to hear about this a little bit from people who aren't me. Uh, so we sat down with a camera this week, and we just sat down with a few people, and we asked them about their experience with tithing and what that looks like in their lives and the blessing that they've seen from there. So let's take a look at this video as we get ready to close today. Hi, uh, this is George and Helen Bergen, and we're just talking about tithing. We have been doing it for about 19 years. My name is Sarah Walker, and I have been tithing for 23 years. Hi, my name is Rob Dukeman, and I've been tithing for approximately 25 years. My name is Susan Friesen, and I've been tithing for 45 years. My name is Rob Whitfield, and I've been tithing since about 14, 15 years old. I don't want to say how many years that is. My name is Will Jansen. I've been tithing for at least 55 years. Tithing was instilled in me. Uh, at a very young age, as soon as I started getting an allowance uh, from my parents, so doing chores around the house and that kind of thing, um, a portion of that was always to go to church, a portion of it was for saving, and then uh, a portion of it was for my spending money. My mom was a widow. She tithed, and uh, she told me that, taught us that that was something that was very important, and I always, I have always tithed. I started tithing uh, because it was something that I knew I was called to do by scripture, uh, but also to recognize that every gift and uh, monetary gift I have is from God. Tithing is a form of worship. Um, it's, it, it, it's a sign of your devotion to Jesus. Simple as that. It lets me tell God how much I trust Him in my life. Uh, money is such an easy thing to hold on to because it's where we get all of our security. And when I give up that 10% to God, it's me saying to God, I trust you 100% because I know that you can do more for me than I can do for myself. When you tithe, you actually start releasing uh, your own um, sufficiency. It was talked about in a, in a service like this, and uh, we decided that we would try it. Both of us being very, I guess, uh, 
more than adequate in math. We didn't really realize where the additional funds would come from, but we were convicted that we should start tithing, and so we, we made the commitment and we started tithing on a weekly basis. Uh, throughout the year, we did not get a raise. Uh, we didn't change jobs. Everything was consistent except for uh, we were able to tithe every single week. We never fell short on our tithing, but yet for some reason we had $5,000 in our bank account at the end of the year. Tithing has benefited me financially in a really cool way. Uh, there's been so many times in life where money doesn't seem like it's going to add up, right? So there's not going to be enough money to pay all the bills and expenses, but somehow at the end of the month, there's just always enough. There is a direct relationship between tithing and the benefits that God gives you, gives me. It has come back to me tenfold every time. Every time I increase, God gives gives me back more than I've ever given. I heard a comment many years ago, man, if I tithe, uh, the church would know what to do with the money. He says, man, that would be a great problem to have. So I feel that God has really blessed us. As we became more diligent in tithing, uh, the Lord has blessed us with greater finances in both our fields. And so now we do have the opportunity to find more places to give. When there was times when we felt like we couldn't give because it wasn't, we weren't going to have enough to meet our needs, and we just chose to give anyway, we always found that God supplied, and so often more than what we needed. There's never a time that I really worry about not having enough. I have found time after time that God just shows up and always takes care of us and all things just always seem to work out uh, in a way that just brings a lot of peace uh, to our finances. You know, the Bible commands you to give, number one, but you want to give because there's there's so much good that, that money can do. It's money that you will never regret. You know, you can go to a movie, and how many times have you said it? You go to a movie, it's like, well, that's $20 I'm never getting back, right? God has a way of using those $20, $50, $100, and, and multiplying it and using it in a way that we could never imagine. So I would say just do it. You won't regret it. I would say that you should try it um, just because when you fully give God um, all of your trust in this area, there really is a huge amount of peace that comes with it. And uh, it's worth it alone just to feel uh, that peace in your finances. Let's be honest. We think we own everything in our lives. And I know I think that at times, but God has given us everything. So it's really been awesome to be able to understand tithing in a really holistic way as Jesus leads us by being generous with how he's provided for us, but also to give to other people too. It just keeps us realizing what a gift we've been given each time we look at all that we have and that it is temporary, but God expects us to use it well for his honor and glory. That tithe is, is a great way to show God that you love him, that you love his people, and, uh, and that goes a long way. Well, thanks to all of you who helped out with that. And, uh, and part of what we wanted you to see there is that, you know, you don't do something for decades if it doesn't work. Right? You don't do something for decades if it is going to make you bankrupt. And uh, we wanted to hear from some people who've been at this for a long time, who've seen the benefit and seen God take care of them time after time after time again. When we give, whatever we're giving to, uh, it is how we are, one of the ways in which we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and one of the ways that we acknowledge that he will uh, take care of us. And just before we dismiss, we just wanted to worship him through song in that area one more time. So would you stand with me, please? And then we'll close. Thank you.
Well, the challenge for you today is, what are your next steps in this area? And some of you maybe have faith like George and Helen did in that video where they just went 10%. All right, let's try it. They didn't have the money, but they decided to go for it. And, uh, and if you can do that, that's incredible. And if you're not there, uh, then just what's your next step? If you're giving nothing, maybe start at 1%. If you're at 3%, maybe shoot for 4% this year. A lot of people have learned the blessing and benefit of tithing that way by just little by little increasing and little by little uh, letting their faith increase as they see how God provides. But what is your next step in this area? And again, it's entirely between you and God. I will have no idea whether you listen or not, and that's entirely up to you. But what is your next step in this walk of faith and trust with Jesus? Let's pray together. Lord, we've just sung about you being just the rock-solid cornerstone of our life, and we are uh, just grateful for the many ways in which you show yourself and have shown yourself. And Lord, if we can trust you with our salvation, and if we can trust you with our health, and if we can trust you with our family, and if we can trust you with our future, then certainly we can trust you with our finances. We can trust you to take care of us as we obey your word and as we worship you with what you've given us. So show us the next steps, Lord, without guilt or shame. Just show us the next steps of what you would have us do as we seek to live a lifestyle of generosity and worship before you. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.